This morning, I, I want to start out with a question uh, and, and have you ponder this just for a little bit. When, do, when does acceptance or tolerance become sin? Have you ever really thought of that before? When does acceptance or tolerance become sin? Yes, somebody's thought about that before. I've been pondering that for a couple of weeks, so I, so I wrote it down. When does acceptance or tolerance become sin? And I want to get a couple of scriptures up there really fast. If we can get James 4.17. going to have to do like the Reader's Digest version and get through this pretty quick. Remember, it's sin to know what you ought to do and then not to do it. Mm. Let's read that one again. Remember, it is sin to know what you should do and then not do it. Well, there's one great example. And James 5, 19 and 20. My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person from death. Save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. Mm. What does acceptance or tolerance, when does acceptance or tolerance become sin? Well, there's two good scriptures right there to ponder. Hmm. When we know what we should do and we don't do it. When we know or see a brother or sister struggling and don't do anything about it. Would that not be sin in our lives? Let's go to Galatians 7.1. Galatians. Well, keep looking. Okay, subtract one then. How are we doing now if we go 6-1? You like that better? Yeah. Dear brothers and sisters, thank you, Linda. Thank you for waiting. I think you did that to me on purpose. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly, everybody say godly. And the, the translation that I usually preach out of New King James says, You who are spiritual, you who are godly, should gently and humbly help that person back into the right, onto the right path. But be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. When does acceptance or tolerance become sin? When we see something that needs correction and we don't speak it out. You know, we are brothers and sisters, and th this is something that, being brothers and sisters, we should be watching one another, looking after one another in love, speaking truth in love when we see. You know, when we're watching each other grow, and we're all growing together, right? Everyone in here, don't we feel like we're family and we're growing together? Continuing to grow in the Lord. Yeah? So when we see somebody struggling or when we see somebody stumbling, it's our responsibility to, in love, go to them and say something. 
And if we don't, we see what we should do and don't, are we not the ones that then are sinning? I think so. I really do think so. Is it <clears throat> something, though, that happens. I know I was speaking a couple weeks ago, and I was talking about, you know, it's, sometimes it's really amazing who God sends to you, and you say, your first thought, who are you to call me out on anything? And we can become like a, a wall, instantly a wall go up. I, I, I saw this, and, and I wrote this down, don't exactly know who said it, but this was not me. I can't take credit for this. But accountability feels like an attack when you are not ready to acknowledge your behavior. Accountability, when you're called out, it feels like an attack when you are not ready to acknowledge your behavior, or I could say your sin. So... Too often times, we react from the flesh, the wall goes up, and it's like, well, who are you? Well, what? One of the things I was talking about, as we're growing together as family, and we're growing together in this experience, that we develop relationships. You know, it's, it's difficult to speak into somebody's life that you do not have relationship with. Or instantly, it's going to go up and say, and who, uh, who are you? Who are you? Who are you to tell me this? So Ephesians 5.21, please tell me there's an Ephesians, Linda. <laughs> and a 5, and a 21. Oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Oh, another scripture that we like to oftentimes just overlook, that we are to submit to one another, our sisters and our brothers, out of reverence for Christ. Because we love, trust, and revere Jesus Christ, we need to submit to one another when we've been called out. I think of... I think I'm running out of time really fast... I think uh, of having been called out and then, and then pondering that. The first thing that I want to do is ponder it in my flesh and go, oh yeah, whoa, what, 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 what? But the next thing I do, that so often is our first reaction, but the next thing that I do is get alone with Jesus. It's like, okay, we need to pray about that. I, I need to hear from you. Is this right? Has somebody called me out, and are they right? Have I, have, have, have I, have I really messed up? And, and I think that it's like calling somebody back into my office. Like, we need to go into a private place. You know, when... when and Betty was talking about that, 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 that peace of God and, and talking about having, having a little meeting. It's like, we need a meeting place. I was meeting with somebody the other day, and in fact, we were in a restaurant, and, and we were talking, and, and he says, can, uh, can we step outside and talk? It's like, man, we're sitting right across from each other. Why do, why do we need to step outside? We stepped outside between two vehicles, so people weren't hearing us, people weren't watching. We went to a, to a private place where it was quiet, and there wasn't all the distraction like there was 
happening in the restaurant so we could actually talk with one another. You know, when we're, when we're coming to that place that we want to really hear from Jesus, we want to hear from God, we need to go into a quiet place with Him. Uh, Ephesians 2.6, and I'm pretty sure that that one's good too, it says that <laughs> we are lifted up and we're seated with Jesus in heavenly places. Okay, yeah. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. We're united with Jesus. But there is so much, I think, lifted up, seated with him in heavenly places because we're united with Jesus. Now, we know that he lives inside us, right? But sometimes that communication can be really difficult because of everything that's going on around us. The, the waiters, the waitresses clanging and banging plates and the conversation going on right next to us. We need to step out into a quiet place to be able to talk in, in relationship one with another as friends. But when we're wanting to hear from Jesus, it is important that we find that quiet place that we go into his office, be seated with him in heavenly realms so we can hear his voice. We have got to find our quiet time, our quiet place, get with him so we can hear his voice. I was thinking, I don't have time to go very deep with this, but even back to Adam and Eve, you know, in the garden, back to the garden. <clears throat> when Adam and Eve recognized when God was coming into the garden, because there was something that they would sense, there's something that they would hear, there's something that they would feel in the coolness of the evening. And they met with God in the garden. They had fellowship with Him in the garden. They got their instruction from Him in the garden. They recognized His presence. They prepared. You know, I, I think they were pretty busy people. He said they, God gave them the, the directive to, to take dominion over this, to name all of the animals. They had a lot to do, didn't they? Think about this. All of creation was theirs to end up naming, to, to, to establish, take dominion. <clears throat> so, but but they, they made ready for his presence, for his coming, so they could spend time with him, so they could hear from him. And they heard, you know, they heard the, rest, the rustling of the leaves, a little bit of a breeze. And so, oh, God's coming, let's get ready. We're getting ready to hear his voice. You know what I'm talking about? How we can feel the presence of God coming. And, it's like, and we prepare, we can feel the presence of God. Oh, sometimes the presence gets really heavy, and it's like, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. But we have to be ready to, to, to host and to listen and to set time aside so we can dwell in that presence. So we can experience that presence and hear His voice. And hear His voice. As everybody knows, there's another voice. There's another voice. He says, my sheep will know my voice. 
We need to get familiar with that voice. We need to get familiar with even the procedures when he starts to come. Here he comes. Prepare, prepare, prepare. Get ready because I'm about to hear his voice. He's going to start speaking to me. Oh, and I love his presence. It's about the presence, not the plan. The presence of God and, and, and his presence. So even, even, even in the garden and, and there ever after, that's what God has desired from each and every one of us is to prepare to set some time aside so we can just fellowship and hang out with him, listen to his voice and be obedient to him. Hasn't changed hasn't changed. In fact, when the children of Israel were wandering around out there, his desire was that each of them could be priests, that each of them could end up hearing his voice. But they said, you know, no, no, no. Moses, uh, yeah, you take care of it. You take care. You listen to God. And you tell us what he has to say. And from that time, there's been just a great deal of confusion, hasn't there? It's like, man, all kinds of laws and rules and bunch of man-made stuff when what God really wants still is to be able to speak to each and every one of us to set the time aside to hear his voice to be obedient to him to let him know how much we love him to worship him to praise him to listen to him relationship with him like the like the lady that I stopped just before the funny story that I had to tell Aunt Betty when she said she leans her head through there talking to, to Christy and Bethany and said, girls, the most important thing in your life that you will ever do is develop a relationship with our Lord Jesus and start hearing his voice. We can be seated with him. We can, get, we can step up into his office where it's quiet where it's quiet, where we can hear his voice, where we can wait and listen, not get impatient. It's like those who wait on the Lord will have their strength renewed. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> we are a new creation in Christ. When he comes into our lives, we become a new creation. Just like those baptisms, the old man, the old woman, the old kid, the flesh is put to death and we are resurrected out of that water to end up walking a new life, to walk newness of life. And <clears throat> our brothers and sisters in the Lord are the ones that get to watch our progress. And when they see something a little bit out, out, out of whack, when... Somebody isn't showing up for three weeks in a row or four weeks in a row to church and you try to get a hold of them and they don't even want to take your call. Usually that's because something is going wrong in their lives. Is that not right? Is that not right? We begin to isolate. What did Adam do when they recognized the presence of God? God started coming into the garden and they had sinned when they listened to the other voice. The other voice, there's a counterfeit. There's always a counterfeit. A counterfeit voice that can even sound like. And a counterfeit that's offering something that sounds almost right. And we can buy into that and can, we can be led so astray. Which is exactly what happened to 
Adam and Eve, and they became, they, they fell. And that means from that point on, we were born with a sin nature because of what happened in the garden. Right? Everybody got that? Okay. And we need to become a new creation with putting sin and flesh to death so we can end up walking out that new life to be led by the Spirit of God need to spend that time with him so we can hear that voice to walk with him walking in the spirit okay once we become that new creation and begin to make progress we should be able to see change shouldn't we change is supposed to happen in your life right and we don't go back to the same old stuff and if we begin to isolate and start slipping back to the same old stuff what did we just study in these first five verses here? Somebody needs to step up, grab us by the hand, let us know that they recognize and acknowledge that we're struggling, that we're having a problem, and help us. Call us out. Right? Sure quiet in here today. I'm going to step off the side and say, Amen. Second Peter, in the first few verses. You want a second Peter verses one through maybe two, three, or four, the letter from Simon Peter. There's a faith that's been given to each of us because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. Can we keep moving? My may God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Let's read that together. By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We've received all of this by coming to know Him, the one who called us to Himself by means of His marvelous glory and excellence. By coming to know Him. Coming to know Him. We're given everything we need to walk out a godly life by coming to know Him. I want to read to you just a little bit now. I'm probably just about to quit preaching and read just a little bit. Um, we're going to go to Ephesians... Nope. That's not where we're going. We're going to go to Galatians now. I think it's time to go to Galatians. We'll start with fifth chapter, the thirteenth verse. I'm going to back up just a little bit. Paul says, "I am still preaching salvation through the cross of Christ alone. There is one way that we're saved. That's through Jesus Christ." on the cross, that sacrifice that leads us. One way only, the way, the truth, the life, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the one, the one who came, the one who came where the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. It's really, really, really important that we know the Word of God, His Bible, but it's really more important that we know the God of the Word, he was made flesh and dwelt among us. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. That word, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. 
Down 13, for you've been called to live in freedom through the sacrifice that Jesus made. We have been called to live in freedom. Not freedom to satisfy your sinful nature, but freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. The other day, I, I have written down here, it's like, if our spiritual and moral compass, if we're living by the spiritual law that Jesus has laid out for us, and our moral compass is pointing towards Jesus, there really wouldn't be a reason for civil law. Let's <laughs> think about that. If we were living for Jesus, following the law that's laid out in, in his good book, the law of the Spirit, not the law, but the law of the Spirit, following the Spirit of Jesus that says, love your neighbor as yourself, what need would we have for civil law? <laughs> okay. Yeah, but I'm not about banning the police. We're not ready for that. It's like, uh, no, don't defund the police. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. Love your neighbors yourself, but if instead of showing love among yourselves, you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. Now, I want to back up. You know, we do judge one another within the church. We do judge one another within the church. We're supposed to. That way we're measuring, we're, we're seeing that we're all growing together. And if somebody isolates and sets himself apart, say, yeah, we got a problem here that we need to address. Is this making sense? Okay. Brothers and sisters, <laughs> beware of destroying one another. So we go back to that, remove the plank for your, from your own eye before you start calling somebody else out. So we're called to examine our own lives first. We're called to be hearing clearly the Word of God, the, the voice of God, and then we're called to be helping our brothers and sisters. So I advise you to live according to your new life in the Holy Spirit. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The old sinful nature loves to do evil. That's why when we refer to the flesh, that's our old sinful nature, which is just opposite from what the Holy Spirit wants. Your nature the sinful nature that you had before loves to do evil, which is just the opposite from what the Holy Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite from what the sinful nature desires. Those two forces are constantly fighting each other, and your choices are never free from this conflict. But when you are directed, let's say led by the Holy Spirit, you are no longer subject to the law. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, your lives will produce. Just <laughs> when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the nature that you were born with before you were born again, your lives will produce these evil results. Sexual immorality. It's amazing that this is so oftentimes at the very top of the list. Your lives will produce these evil results, sexual immorality, impure thoughts, eagerness for lustful pleasure, idolatry. Idolatry is when, we, when, when we we're worshiping anything or paying more attention to anything more than we do God. Participation in demonic activities, hostility, it's like being mean, 
quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, or divisions. The feeling that everyone is wrong except those in your own little group. <laughs> Envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other kinds of sin. Let me tell you again, as I have before, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Anyone living that sort of life, what happens? Will not inherit the kingdom of God. Sexually Im sexual immorality, impure thoughts. So we're talking sexual immorality. That, that, that covers a, a whole wide spectrum of things. Everything from, from porn to um, fornication to just on and on. A lot of sexual immorality opportunities. But we go to verse 22. When the Holy Spirit controls our lives, everybody say, but... When the Holy Spirit, here's the good news, when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, He will produce this kind of fruit in us. This is what we look for in one another. This is what we share with one another. We're given gifts to share. The reason that we have gifts is for the body, for one another, not for ourselves. He will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience. Yeah, you could read it with me. Patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Here there's no conflict with the law. Okay, listen to this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to His cross and crucified them there. If we're living now by the Holy Spirit, let us follow the Holy Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. This looks like a good place to quit right here. That's the good news. The good news is, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, if we're led by the Holy Spirit, if we're walking in the Holy Spirit, this is the fruit that's produced in us. So I just say, you can make a list of this. You can look at yourself in the mirror. You can think about in the morning, how am I doing? How am I doing? You can think about it at night. How am I doing? It's like, praise God. The, the, the message that was brought here last week, where <laughs> he was talking about walking out salvation and sanctification and getting past the 50% part and how it starts to just get easier. Remember that message? Well, wasn't that awesome? I, I love that. Grace and holiness. Grace, where grace meets, meets holiness. It's like God wants us to be successful. He wants us to be led by His Holy Spirit, filled with power and gifts that He has for us so we can bless one another, so we can build His church, His kingdom. Let's stand together. We have a prayer team come up here. If, if anybody, if anybody has not been filled with that promised Holy Spirit, have never asked Jesus to come into your heart or life, I'd encourage you, come on up here. We would love to pray with you, to see you filled, to see you blessed, to see you saved. 
like that scripture says, saved from death, pulled out of sin, saved from death, set apart, set for eternal life. Father, I just thank you. You are such a, a merciful, loving God of grace and mercy. I thank you that you sent your son to die for us. There was a price that had to be paid. There was blood that had to be shed for the remission of my sins, and it was your son. I thank you for that son. I thank you for the price he paid, the blood that he shed. I thank you that he's alive today, alive and well and ready to forgive us, ready to partner with us, that we can co-labor with Jesus Christ. And I just pray that you would speak to each one today. If you have, have, <laughs> have started to move on their heart, that you would continue, Lord, that, that your people, the people that, that are gathered together in this congregation, even this day, God, that in their dreams, in their private time, they will come to hear your voice so clearly, to step into obedience in whatever you show them, whichever way that you direct them, and I pray, God, that you would give us the confidence and the boldness as we develop and walk more and more in relationship with one another to call each other out when it's time. And I speak blessing over each one. In Jesus' name, amen.